The following program brought to you by Comprehensive Financial Consultants and CFCI, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities are offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through CFCI and J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial, J.W. Cole Advisors, and CFCI are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by the members of CFCI and their guests should not be construed as specific investment, legal, or tax advice. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. Investing may involve the risk of loss of principal, and any tax advice on the show is not intended to be used by any persons for the purpose of avoiding U.S. federal or state tax. Penalties that may be imposed on such persons and each listener should seek advice from their tax advisor or legal counsel on topics that arise from the show. The representatives of CFCI and their guests are not providing legal or tax advice, and nothing should be construed as a solicitation to offer or buy securities. Now enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the big show, Your Money with David Hayes. I'm excited today, man. I have a friend of mine. His name's Steve Luckenbach. He is a nationally recognized author and speaker in the financial world, and he's going to be on to talk about how do we, why do we think about things the way we do. And I love the title of one of his books called Don't Believe Everything You Think, and all, he was a co-author of The Art of Why. He's going to be on in just a little bit. We talked a few minutes before the show to kind of tee it up. Looking forward to all of that. Let's do a little headlines of the week, brought to you, of course, by Lance Like and the Like Law Group. Give yourself and your family the peace of mind that comes with proper estate planning. Call Lance at the Like Law Group, 812-323-8300. Kenny Bland Auctions. I saw Dirk and Nikki this week. They are your full-service auction service. They want to offer the pre-planning of the sale of your estate or real estate. So please visit them at KennyBlandAuctions.com. And finally, Unrivaled Electric, my friend Tim, he wants to be your full-service electrician like he is mine, specializing in generators and solar arrays. He's a veteran, and he can be there on the spot probably within reasonable time like most really good professional electricians. Call him at 812-361-3604 or find Unrivaled Electric on Facebook. Let's talk about last week. So stocks went lower last week as we had mixed earning reports and a resurgence over the Fed's monetary policy kind of dragged on investor sentiment, right? That happens all the time. Stocks then struggled late in the week, weighed down by the rising bond yields, a firming U.S. dollar. Of course, geopolitical tensions, they're not going anywhere and pretty much generally unimpressive corporate earning reports. But perhaps the most consequential overhang was the potential direction of monetary policy, right? Traders were initially kind of relieved by comments from the Fed saying, huh, we have not struck this more aggressive tone yet, and we believe that, uh, you know, that we're still in this situation where inflation is starting to get under control. He calls it disinflationary. Uh, he repeated these these things that the Fed's going to have to continue to probably raise rates, uh, maybe keep them there longer. Um, it's going to be very data dependent. All that was last week, right? Well, then this week, and the market, the crazy thing is the market just keeps wanting to go forward, even when the Fed keeps saying, hey, we need to tap the brakes. Well, the market, according to this week's headlines in the Wall Street Journal as of Thursday, the market's come to grips with the Fed on rates. Markets finally appear to be backing down in their long-running game of chicken with the Federal Reserve. <laughs> I love it. All right, what else? Tesla, they're going to start allowing other EVs as part of their charging network. Probably a good idea. If you can't fight them, join them. And what else we got going on here? Gambling revenue hits a record last year. You know, just about every kid that I know that's a friend of my son's gambles. 
Now, when I ask them, they're like, oh, yeah, I had a 10-game parlay that I had 10 bucks on, and had I hit it, I would have won $2,000. All right, how many did you hit? They're like seven. Sometimes they get all excited. I had nine, or I had four or five, but the bottom line is most of those are sucker bets kids. I keep telling them, and they're just going to keep collecting your $10 bills like you're an ATM. Crude prices are at crude exports boost U.S. prices, and that's kind of a cool thing looking at oil prices right now. And then what else here? Retail sales, according to the Wall Street Journal. In January, 3% rise in sales following two months of declines, booster growth signals. And that's the that's the thing going on right now. You know, the Fed's saying we're going to raise rates, raise rates. They are. Cost of borrowing is going up. Credit card balances are going up. Um, but yet still the appetite for high-yield bonds is there. It's a really, really wonky environment right now. And I know Rod has been on glass in the afternoon time after time, time simply saying, listen, the fundamentals are not backing up what you're seeing this market doing and that we believe that there will be some kind of a reset at some point and maybe maybe what I mentioned earlier could be the beginning of that. Now, what does a reset mean? That's out for debate, right? Some will say, oh, it needs to go back and retest this or go to this level or that level. But, you know, I think the Fed is doing a fantastic job. And I always say, right, right, control the things you can control. And don't try to time the market. Don't try to outsmart the Fed. Don't try to fight the Fed. Uh, don't get into stupid debt if you're out there thinking about strapping on something. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I have debt, right? I have real estate and other things I have debt on, and some of it's adjustable, and it hurts. And you look at it and think, how can I get that dude taken care of? And that's the boat that many people here in America are in. All right, let's talk about my guest briefly. He is a guy that that's, is in the financial services industry. He's been there about as long as I have. He's an author. Uh, he's a speaker. And the first time I had lunch with Steve Luckenbach, we hit it off. It's like we had the same philosophy. We had the same passion. And when I come back, I'm going to introduce Steve to all of you guys. And I think you'll have a wonderful, wonderful ride as we go through all kinds of things from behavioral finance, behavioral economics, the psychology of investing, but not just that, a whole lot more. So hopefully, you know, just like my book, 2025, The Final Drive, What You Need to Know to Win, when it came out on Amazon, it was in two categories, self-help and personal finance. Because I think there's a self-help piece in there as well that you can apply to more than just your financial life, but to your entire life. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get Steve on the phone. This is Your Money with David Hayes. Now, yesterday it was beautiful here in South Central Indiana, and this kind of Caribbean-type music would have gotten me all fired up and excited about springtime and cruises and vacations. But today it's dreary and cold, and yes, it is February in Indiana. Joining me now, live on the phone, Steve Luckenbach. He's a friend of mine. He's an author and speaker, The Art of Why, and I love this title, Steve. And, of course, he's in the financial world like me and has been in this world for as long as I have been as well. Don't believe... Everything you think. My wife tells me that, Steve, all the time. So I'm, I need to read the book in its entirety and apply it in a different, in a different manner. But you and I talked briefly before we came on today. And what we're going to talk about today uh, certainly will have a financial theme and thread through it. But I was telling them, when I launched my book, and you and I, when we had lunch, talked about our books and our philosophy and our messaging. And when it hit the Amazon selling list that morning, 
and I was number 287,000th in line. It ended up being a number four daily bestseller that day. It was on, it was in two categories, self-help and personal finance. And because I think the things that you're going to learn today or hear today that you might want to explore more will not just help you maybe make better financial decisions, but could really help you make better decisions in life about your career, about your relationships, about everything. So when I was getting excited about today's program, Steve, I'm like, I'm going to kind of tease Steve up with that thought and let him run with this thing. You just got to let the horses run. And I know you're a thoroughbred. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. That's cool. Thanks. Well, did you want to open with any specific questions? No, I think right now, I think, I, yeah, I think when I, when I look at the, your titles, first of all, don't believe everything you think in the art of why. And you and I were just kind of talking philosophy before the show, just sort of generally speaking, you know, the direction of where these titles will take people if they pick up this book and read it. Well, I, I'm reminded of what uh, Einstein said. He said, we don't solve our problems with the same thinking that caused them. And one of the things I read, this Don't Believe Everything You Think was my first book, and, and it was just my experience. I mean, I had come to believe a lot of things uh, that I found were not true, and that those things that I believed that were not true were setting the limits on what was possible. You could say that it's the lies that limit. And, and just because we believe a lie over and over again doesn't make it true. And to, it's so important that we – uh, that we stay students, that we step back and think, okay, is that true? And um, and it really fed into my career financially because I had a hobby of psychology. I was in the financial industry, and then I found this marriage of behavioral finance or behavioral economics or the psychology of investing. And it really opened the world for me. And I, and I started to realize that there was a lot more to this business than just the investments. It really came down to human behavior how we think, why we think the way we think, and how that affected our outcomes more than the actual investments themselves. So let's talk about behavioral finance. We've talked about that before on the show. We've talked about biases. We've talked about, you know, for instance, you're out of, out of town and you travel a lot and you, you know, think, hey, I'd like to have a great uh, barbecue sandwich. And you, you drive right. through town and you see a couple of different barbecue places. Maybe they're a block apart. One has 30 cars outside of it. One has two cars. And you make the assumption that the, that the restaurant with uh, the 30 cars has to be the better restaurant, right? We have all these mental biases. But the other one may be completely fine. Maybe they were having a special event at the other one. You don't know what's behind the, the uh, magical door right. there. So when we talk about behavioral yeah. finance, I think we have these thoughts that we've been told over and over and over and over. And I'll give you one, diversification, right? Everyone says, oh, you have to be diversified. Well, what does that mean? Right? Does that mean that I have to check every single style box and every Morningstar category from large and value and small and mid and international and blah, 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 blah? No, the answer is no, you don't. Uh, sometimes people will over-diversify themselves out of any meaningful return. That's something I've been running with for years. Um, you have to be smart diversification. So I think, so let's start with that, Steve. You're, just the idea of your study and your writing and your teaching and speaking on kind of behavioral finance and behavioral economics. Well, you know, that's a perfect example of uh, – I, I like to say too much of a good thing stops being a good thing. You know, you might have a slice of pie, but that's a big difference from eating the entire pie. And, and to the point of diversification, uh, I refer to it as diversification. You can diversify so much that you don't have enough – you know, you don't have enough concentration in one particular area. 
um, you, you've just spread yourself so thin. I had a coach once tell me the difference between a medicine and a toxin is dosage, dosage. And it's, it's really ultimately why I think it's so important to collaborate with other people or professionals. One of the things that I found, the reason this book, Don't Believe Everything You Think, came to bear was because I had coaches. I had hired coaches to help me and to challenge my thinking, and I started to awaken to things I did not know. Um, and so I'm a big advocate on partnering with professionals. Uh, there's a saying that you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. Another quote that comes to mind is from Pogo. Pogo said, we've identified the enemy, and the enemy is us. It's, it can be our fears. It can be our anxiety. Yes, go. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, and I, of course, you know me in coaching. I, I, you know, I, I claim that where I am today uh, in the path that I w- was on and, and where I find myself standing is because of the great coaching and teaching that I had along the way from my eighth, from my eight-year-old uh, Little League football days all the way through, you know, high school and, and into college. And then, you know, you got out of school, got out of college, didn't have teachers, didn't have coaches, had a few mentors. And I'm like, I need a coach. So for the 20, for probably the last 25 years, I have had some type of coaching in my life. Some people, Steve, call it therapy. I call it coaching. But, <laughs> but, 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 but the reality of it is, it, it, whatever you call it, I mean, they're getting in your head clearing your thoughts, getting you focused, helping you understand what the outcomes will be, do some deductive reasoning, where you want to go, where you want to, where you want to be like, and then take that, break it down, man, into 10-year, 5-year, 1-year, 1-quarter, one 1-month, one 1 week, 1 day, and you'll get there. And I think that's why when you're talking about money uh, and you're out there on your own, out there on an island, you don't have anybody that is around you to help you sort of rethink some things I think that's a huge mistake. Oh, I, I, look, again, we've identified the enemy and the enemy is us. I mean, it, it is fascinating how people do not want to be uh, challenged. They don't want their thoughts to be challenged. And that's, that's a sure signal that you may be going down the wrong road. If you're not hiring a professional because you don't want your thoughts to be challenged, then you may have some thoughts that really need challenging. And, and yes, I call them coaches as well, although some of them were therapists. And there was a couch, and I don't know that I've ever laid down, but I'd say it was some of the best money I've ever invested. And you know what? All you got to do is look at every profession, any true professional in any line of work. I mean, look, even Tiger Woods continued to have a coach. You're saying, but Tiger Woods doesn't need a coach. Well, Tiger Woods had just made enough humility to, well, at least in golf anyway, to know that he needed a coach. And, uh, Man, I tell you what, if we have something, if there's some truth that we're afraid of, well, what do we know about the truth? The truth will set us free. And if we have the courage to hire people to say, you know, I think you may want to rethink that, we just become better people as a result. I firmly believe that. Always stay a student. Well, and, and we're going to take a quick break, but when I, when I describe to my son, who knows I have a passion for coaching, uh, sports and people and my wife sometimes I remember we had a guy at our house during COVID putting outdoor lighting in because you know like hey what else we're gonna do outside besides you know let's put some outdoor lighting in his name was Mitch from Indianapolis and uh it was like 10 o'clock at night and I'm out there t- talking to Mitch and my Mitch was a I said Mitch 
is this the highest and best use of your time out here installing lights in my backyard? When you, I was at the home show, and I'm like, I bought Mitch, and I bought Mitch's vision. I bought your design. You don't need to be out here with me at 10 o'clock at night. You need to be selling more lights. And uh, my wife, I come in, and she says, would you please leave him alone? You don't need to coach everybody that you see. And I'm like, ah, I can't help myself. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive into the psychology of investing because I think – I think uh, you and I talked about this a little bit before we came on, but you know, it's almost like, hey, give me a tip on a on a on this horse race. All right, fifth horse, sixth race. All right, a tip in investing: buy low, sell high. I mean, how many years have we heard that? So, why do we not do that? Right? Let's come back and talk about that. That's your money with David Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. Your Money with David Hayes. You know, Steve, I was thinking about this uh, during the break that I have been telling people um, when you want to do something, and I've said it here on the show many times, you not only do you have to visualize it, close your eyes and literally visualize what you want this to be. If you want your 401k to be worth $5 million, I want you to visualize it. But then I need you to verbalize it. I need you to say my 401k is going to be worth $5 million someday. And to me, once you verbalize it and you've already visualized it, now you become accountable to it. And because I am, I'll disappoint myself all day long. If I don't tell you I'm going to do something, if I don't say, hey, I'm going to start, I'm going to work out, I'm going to eat right, I'm going to eat this this way, um, and I visualize what that outcome will be, I'm probably going to do it. Because in my mind, I hate disappointing people. And I hate failing, so I'm probably going to get it done. But if you keep it within yourself, sometimes you just completely fail. You make stupid decisions. No one is there to call you out. And I think that's the psychology and the behavioral side of even finance. Because when we went to the break, I said, hey, my favorite saying that people will throw out there when giving financial advice or at least investment advice is buy low, sell high. But why don't we do it, Steve? Why don't we do it? That is exactly I speak often about behavioral finance, and I often share with the audience that we've discovered the secret to successful investing. Everyone get your pen and paper out, you know, and everybody's ready. They're ready for the secret. I say, buy low, and then they start laughing because they know where I'm going. Buy low, sell high. And I say, well, here's the interesting thing. You all know it, but we don't do it. We all know it, but we don't do it. Why don't we do it? Because emotion comes into play. Mm -hmm. Fear comes into play. And the four most expensive words, the four most valuable is said to be buy low, sell high, but the four most expensive, coined by Sir John Templeton, was this time is different. So all of a sudden we say, okay, yeah, I know it's buy low, sell high. Oh, I've heard that my whole life, but this time is different. And here's the interesting thing about that. The circumstances are always different, right? The tools of war are different, but the behavior that leads to war hasn't changed in a millennium. So you could say the history repeats itself because behavior repeats itself. So what scares us, what causes fear in us is often changing all the time. But the emotion of fear and how we respond to fear, again, hasn't changed in a millennium. And to, and to your points about vision and verbalize, you know, in the ancient text, it's written where there's no vision, the people perish. What is that vision? And then to speak it out loud, what is that about? That's about commitment. Commitment without accountability leads to lack of discipline. And it's not about somebody holding you accountable. It's about entering into an accountability 
relationship, speaking out loud the vision that you wish to accomplish, and seeing the vision beyond the short-term circumstances. I'll let you interject here, but I got a, I got a new view of buy low, if you want to hear it. Well, I do, but I want to say something about what you just said. I can visualize it and verbalize it one time, and, and a few people hear it, and never say it again. It will probably go away. Politicians do that all the time. Right. But if you continually talk about it, and I have a great story about a guy, and, and, and you may know this story. His name was Gino, and Gino decided that he wanted to be the halftime act for the Philadelphia 76ers. And he had a magic act, and he was like, I'm going to be the halftime act for the Philadelphia 76ers. So he not only visualized it, but he, everywhere, he, everywhere he went, he would say to people, hey, yeah, I'm going to be the halftime act for the 76ers. And after months and months and months and maybe even year, a couple of years, someone finally says to someone, hey, you need to call this guy. He says he's going to be the halftime show. So the Philadelphia 76ers marketing department calls him and have a conversation with him. He signs a 60-day contract to do halftime shows for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, but he, he consistently told people, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to be it. What wasn't like, it might happen. It's going to happen. So yeah, Steve, give us your thought on the buy low thing. Yes, well, you know, there's something called the reticular activating system within our mind. It's, it's an interesting thing. The mind, you know, you can Im imagine something so vividly. The mind doesn't know the difference. And, and, and if you just keep faking that signal out, if you keep sending that signal out, uh, you, you're going to pick up some reception. That's a great story. I have not heard that story. But buy low, it occurred to me the other day. You know, a lot of people, they think it's buy at the bottom, sell at the top, right? Now, it's buy low, sell high, not buy at the bottom, right? No, who, who, nobody has that crystal ball. Nobody's where the bottom is. Uh, we, we don't know where the top is. And so there's different strategies that financial advisors use, dollar cost averaging, rebalancing. But it occurred to me the other day that for, for most investors, they're emotional. We're, we're human beings. We're emotional. This is why we collaborate with a professional who's a little less emotional. Somebody who's maybe leveraging probability rather than possibility, maybe leaning more into the facts than the emotions. But I think for the, the, the typical layperson who is usually an emotional investor, maybe we could think of buy low as buy when you're feeling low. <laughs> when you feel low, it's probably the best time to buy. So so think of buying low as buying when you're feeling low. I'm not, I'm not making any investment recommendations. I'm just saying that when everyone's getting fearful, as Warren Buffett once said, he said, when everyone's fearful, get greedy. When everyone's greedy, get fearful. So it's, it's understanding that the majority is usually wrong, that in the financial yep. services yep. world, the herd is led to the slaughter. You know, I, usually when everyone's saying something's going to happen, it rarely does. And I've said that for 20 years here on this program. So one thing about when you feel low, buy low, you're buying low. You know, <laughs> think about it this way, folks. When you're feeling crappy and you're not you're feeling depressed or whatever, what do you want to do? Nothing. Right. So right. put people do nothing when you're feeling upbeat, just had a great day or whatever it might be. Just get, whatever. Maybe made a who knows. You just want to do everything. And maybe you're doing stuff irrationally. So you have to trick your mind to say, yeah, I know things are, I feel like crap right now because of the way things are in the economy, my market, my 401k, whatever, but that's when you buy. The, when's the best time to have planted a tree 20 years ago? When's the best next time? Tomorrow, today, right? So I think about investing, yep, as yep. Steve mentioned, that when's the best time to invest? It's when you have the freaking money, right? Now, and then how do you manage that? Like you said, there's all kinds of techniques and folks here on this program, uh, loyal listeners have 
heard our philosophies over and 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 over. So I'm not going to get down that path. One quick thing before we head into the the next next topic. You talked about putting probability in, in versus possibility or whatever ability you're, you you know you can throw in anything there <laughs> but one of the things that i in our my world because we work in the retirement planning arena and obviously no one has pensions any longer or very few people people have social security and they have their big pile of money and they're like okay how do i make this stuff last and i talk about you know laying risk off you know we lay risk off all the time to insurance companies we lay it off for mm-hmm. our homeowners insurance we do our car insurance some of it's required some of it's not you know, if you have a mortgage, you probably are required to have some homeowner's insurance. But if you don't have a mortgage, do you still have homeowner's insurance? Most people would say yes. Well, why? Well, if my house burns down, I don't want to have to come out of pocket to pay for all of it. Do you have a deductible? Yeah. What is it? 5000 bucks. I'll pay 5000 Perfect. But I'm not going to pay 400000 Well, you can insure, insure a portion of your money the same in our world, the same way that you can insure other assets that you have. And I want to speak briefly before we go just on the difference between, you know, assurance, like, hey, don't worry, the market always goes up over time, or don't worry, they'll always pay their interest payments on time, United <laughs> States government, or versus insurance, where you say, you know what, I want to go ahead and say, I'm going to insure some of this money. Because psychology tells me that people that are the most comfortable and the happiest in retirement are those that have a couple of components. Number one, they have faith. Number two, they have a good family. Number three, they have a good friend network. And fourth and finally, a fixed income stream, something that they don't have to rely on that stock market to provide all of their income in retirement. So just a brief thought on that from a psychology standpoint or a behavioral standpoint, Steve, on the assurance that, oh, don't worry about it. Things will always work out to literally insurance. Excellent. I had a coach once tell me, he says, emotions belong on the bus, but not in the driver's seat. If emotions get in that driver's seat, that bus can often end up in the ditch. So what can we do to help calm us down? And, and it's faith, it's confidence, it's certainty. You know, the reason I mentioned probability versus possibility, is it probable that your house will burn down? No. no. Is it possible? Yes. And it would be a catastrophic risk. The idea that you put a you know three four hundred thousand in a CD or you know in a savings account to rebuild your house is just foolish. That's just not wise use of your monies, right? So what you do is you pay that small little fee, or what's called risk pooling. You know, if you don't like the word insurance, just think risk pooling. Everybody comes together. This is what makes this country great. We all come together and we say, look, we all have a concern about our house burning burning down. I know it's not very probable, but I but it would be catastrophic if it happened. So why does everybody just kick in? You know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, and you get thousands of people kick into this pool. Nobody would put a million dollars in a CD because they might get, you know, CD at the bank because they might get in a lawsuit for a car accident. They, they just put 500 bucks into a pool. And so they can lean into it if they need it. But, but again, it gives confidence. It gives the ability. It gives a bit of certainty, a little bit of protection. I mean, let's face it. We do it all the time. I, I love airbags. I'll even pay extra for airbags. I mean, I still want to be able to see out the windshield, but I want those airbags to protect me and my family. And if I never get in an accident, I don't consider that wasted money, right? I mean, I, I had this there. It gave me a sense of comfort. Same thing with my seatbelt. I wear my seatbelt because I hope to never use it. But it gives me a certain security, gives me a certain feeling that I've, I've been responsible. 
it's it's just a beautiful part of a, an effective plan. Or, you know, the, from that standpoint, I was getting ready to go on a cruise, right, and think about a cruise ship. If it was $3,000 a person to go, uh, and you're like, man, it sounds like a lot. Well, you have another, I have another one for 2000 bucks a person to go. The only difference is that one doesn't have any, any uh, lifeboats. And you're like, huh, you know what? I, I haven't heard of a ship really sinking since maybe the Titanic or that one dude outside of, uh, I think, France or Italy or something. But I, uh, I think I'll pay the extra grand just in case for that lifeboat. Great point there. Let's take a quick break. Come we'll back. We're going to kind of wrap up your section because I know you okay, have to good. go. We'll be right back, folks. It's Your Money with David Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. Steve Luckenbach has been my guest, the author of The Art of Why and Don't Believe Everything You Think. And I know, Steve, we're going to let you go so you have another appointment to make. But um, we can come up with lots of analogies to make people at least think or understand about how and why they should put some barriers or some safety valves or whatever it might be on their life, on their financial life. And you had one more you wanted to share before we let you go. Yeah, the one that comes to mind, the classic, is the bridge and the importance of the guardrail. You know, you, you take any major significant bridge you never worry about running off the road, but imagine if that guardrail wasn't there, right? You'd crossed the bridge a thousand times, never considered the edge at all. But if that guardrail is not there, oh my gosh, you can bet you're going to be trying to drift into the center lane to get as far away from the edge as you can. <laughs> it's emotionally distracting. You're not as at peace. You're not as confident. Um, I just think that's the. I think that's a really good. Example. Well, yeah, because so you're blazing that across in. that bridge at 50, 60 miles an hour, no problem, yeah. right? But then all of a sudden you don't have guardrails, and guess what? You crawl. So instead of being in the stock market, all of a sudden you're over here at the bank in the CD and not making anything. Right. So it's a great, great analogy. You and I have been in this industry a long time. Well, we've got, we could probably sit here for an hour and come up with one, like little puns, one after another could. after another. Yes, and that'd be a fun show. Maybe we'll do that on a podcast sometime <laughs> where, you know, you can kind of get off the rails no pun intended, a little bit more quickly. <laughs> yeah. Steve Luckenbach's yeah. been my guest. I know you have to run your busy guy, author, uh, nationally recognized speaker as well, and looking forward, Steve, to our next uh, lunch together. Me too, David. Thanks so much for today. All right, man. Have a great one. Steve Luckenbach, boys, he's my guest. I hope you enjoyed that. Again, I, I kind of went into this whole concept of, yeah, we want to give you something to think about, right? So we want to give you something to go with, run with, and hopefully make uh, make your life better. Not just in the financial world, and certainly that's what this show's about, right? But it's also about how can I just sort of make myself think differently about things, question things, uh, be open to things. When we talked about, you know, insurance or assurance, you know, I, I, I have complete assurance that the stock market over time will do well. Absolutely. I've been at this, you know, going to be on 30 years. And is, are there times it goes down? Absolutely. Is it, are there times where it's gone down and stayed down for a long time? Absolutely. But has it always come back? Yes. So I have this assurance that it will be there. But do I have the assurance that you could take a stock portfolio and pull 5% out a year and not ever worry about it? No, I do not. Because when the market's down 20 and you take out 5, you're down 25. The next year it's down 10, you take out 5, another 15 down. And the next year it's down again and you take it out and guess what? You've compounded yourself to zero pretty quickly. And of course, if you've read my book, I give three examples in there on the sequence risk and how you avoid that or how you mitigate that or at least manage that. Uh, and some of it is 
hey, let's lay off some of this to an insurance company. Let them guarantee the income for me, at least a portion of it. And you've heard me say this before. Like, it's somewhat rhetorical. Husband and wife sitting there, right? And they've already kind of gotten to where they thought they needed to be to retire comfortably. And we say, okay, how much income do you think we need here in retirement? And we're going to make this up. $10,000 a month. Okay. Well, let's go in and take out Social Security. We feel pretty confident about that. We've got 4000 coming in from Social Security. Now we need 6000 Okay. And I've got, you know, $1.5 or $2 million in retirement assets, and this is what I need to, to live on. Okay. Well, let's take a look at this. We could move a little bit of money over into something with an insurance company and cover another 3000 of that. Now we're just down to a few thousand dollars that we need to cover with a lot l more money because I took me less money to, to cover that other income. So the rhetorical question is, how much of your income in retirement do you want covered from a guaranteed or contractual source? And just stop and stare at them, have fun with it. And I don't do this for real, but I have asked this question somewhat rhetorically. And the answer is, mm, they don't really know what the answer is because the answer in their head is all of it. But guess what? That's usually not practical. But what if we covered most of it or at least some of it? Social Security, do you think it's guaranteed? I think it is. And I could argue with you, with you on all kinds of different points there. What else is guaranteed? Not much. It has to be generally a pension that's covered by the, the uh, Pension Benefit Guarantee Association. Maybe it's an annuity, a guaranteed lifetime income, income annuity of some kind, and there's all can, different types of those out there. And like Steve said, if you don't like the word insurance, which who really does, right? Because we grew up with that, with that belief in our head that we should think insurance is bad, but insurance is not bad when you need it. I'm in the middle of an insurance claim right now from pipes bursting on an apartment complex, and I'm grateful to have the insurance. Had I not said, yeah, I'd like to have that insurance, I would, I want lost rent insurance, I'd like this insurance, I want, yeah, we're digging it right now because we have insurance. But if you didn't have it, you'd be really out there scared and vulnerable. So just keep your mind open to suggestions. Just because of what you think, don't believe everything you think, the book, just because that you think this is the way it is, it's not the way it always is. So just keep your mind open. Hopefully that was a good little lesson from my good friend Steve. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. I'm going to talk about my mom a little bit when we get back. It's Your Money with David Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic day, or at least you're going to have a great day. I... Um, so I just want to talk to you briefly about a couple things. So I think a lot of you who've listened to this show over the years um, listen to it, not just for the information, not just for the um, application of different thoughts or uh, ideas or concepts, but I think it's my openness. It's my vulnerability <clears throat> from family to my adventures, my involvement in different things, my passions. I just tell you everything. And it's interesting when I run into people on the street that don't know me, and I may be at a restaurant or somewhere that listens to the show, number one, they recognize my voice. And, uh, and they'll say, yeah, you sound just like you do on the radio. I'm like, really? Well, that means that I'm not here faking some big radio voice. Now, do I tend to try and emphasize some words, you know, on the show that maybe I wouldn't sitting at dinner? Maybe, probably. 
But I, I wanted to share something because I, I know I've talked to you guys about this, but you know, my mom's been struggling with Alzheimer's for a long time and she, she's to the end. And the things that she's taught us <clears throat> are helping people, never talking bad about other people and always being there and what really matters most. So as we kind of entered this last stretch with her, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's been tough. But one thing that I can tell you that some of the things that I have learned and I have talked about personally, whether it be my father-in-law that went through this, when my, my, my wife's mother had died our first year of marriage in 1994, and we were the ones having to manage that situation. And when I say the situation, those of you that have gone through this, that are going through this, know it's more than the money. It's, in fact, the money is almost the thing you worry about the most in the beginning, but in the reality of it is it's a whole, it's a whole big conglomeration of mess. You feel alone, you feel confused, you don't know where to turn for help. But we've been through it before with my father-in-law. It's been several years now since he passed away. And then we've been dealing with my mom. So my father, my stepdad, has been her primary caregiver. And, you know, we were able to do all the things necessary. Introduce caregivers, introduce hospice, um, make sure that they had plenty of money to pay for those types of things. And at the end, and as I'm recording the show, she's still with us, but it's not long before she won't be. Um, we just feel, I feel like we've done it. You know, we feel like um, we've, we, you know, we kept, kept her at home. And it's not, that's not my, me. It's really my stepdad. He's the, he's the angel in all of this. Um, we had set her up the resources to pay for the help. We protected things where they needed protected. So that all you had to do was be a son. All you had to do was be a daughter, or in my stepdad's case, a loving, loving husband. So I want you to know this because, um, one, it's, it's just on my heart. And two, if you're struggling with this kind of stuff right now, just know that there's people to help. And if you don't know where to turn, I'm offering this opportunity just because I want to. To say, hey, listen, if you need a little guidance, if you need a little help, if you need a little encouragement, if you need anything at all, we've done this, man, and we've done it uh personally and we have had many many friends and clients go through this and we have lots and lots of experience helping people deal with this and dig through this so what really matters the most right my dad has something hanging on his wall and it's not about your checkbook it's not about what you leave behind financially it's what you leave behind in memories in a legacy and you've heard me say this a name that stands for something and for my mom who was a single mom she was 17 when she had my brother Dan. 17, married to my dad. By the time she was 22, she had three boys. And my mom was a, a uh, was was one of four girls growing up, so she had no idea what a bunch of boys were like. Then my mom and dad get divorced, and we move in with my grandma and grandpa, and we, um, you know, we're that's what we did. And then my mom got remarried, and I had my sister Jana. And then later, that didn't work out. So my mom has now four kids by the age of 26, completely unemployed at that point, um, on food stamps, on free lunches. But one thing she always taught us was you always work. And you do, you show up, you do what you say you're going to do, and you love people. And my mom, even though we lacked in finances back in those days, the, the love that we had for, for as our family was enormous. And... She worked and worked and worked, and she worked at the Elks Lodge. And she, I mean, anything she had to do, uh, she would do it to make sure that we had whatever we needed to, to you know, live. 
And eventually, you know, she married my stepdad, John, and that's how I ended up moving to Ellettsville. People always ask, how did you end up in Ellettsville? That's when I went there as an eighth grader. And um, she got a job at Cook. And she, um, with my stepfather who worked at uh, GE, uh, actually, you know, got us all through high school, got us all out on our own. Everyone's doing great. My, my brother, both my brothers, my sister, great. They all live here locally, which has been an incredible blessing as we've gone through this with mom. And uh, she did it. You know, all of a sudden she's 62, 63, and, and we're, we're teeing her up for retirement. So I guess one of the things you think about is if she can do it, anybody can do it. And I've gone with that message over and over and over because it's true. So when you start feeling sorry for yourself or you start feeling like, you know, everything's stacked up against you or whatever, or you know people around you that have that mentality, have them read my book because it's in there. It's not all in there, obviously, but it's in there to give people a little bit of inspiration, hopefully, to say, you know what, that's me. And if that's me and this is what the outcome can be, if I keep my nose down to the grindstone and keep after it, then that's the life that I want to lead. So when it comes to this type of stuff, you know, you just have to take, take it for what it is and deal with it, including dealing with your mom passing away. It's been the most gut-wrenching thing I've ever dealt with. I'm going to take a break. I'll be back. It's your money with David Hayes. You're like, David, why, what happened to the days we just talked about money? <laughs> what, what happened to those kind of days? I'm getting older, dude. When I get older, you start getting more philosophical and reflect. You know, you start reflecting on things, and uh, just you get you just get that way, you know. And and uh, it is what it is. So you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. And and I was telling Steve, you know, that next year will be our 30th year in practice, uh, helping people you know, prepare for and have a great retirement, which I'm so grateful for. And a lot of us through the financial coaching, right? I, anyone can tell you how much you should put away at this particular rate, and this is what you're going to have at the end, right? Now, a lot of variables from between that point and the end. But when it comes to mindset, right, that's where I think a lot of people help. Let me, tell, me, tell me where you're from, how you grew up, that helps me understand what you think about money. Tell me where you see yourself in 10 years. How do you want your grandkids to be talking about you when you're gone? I mean, these are the kind of big picture things that I think matter. And then you can back yourself into that as far as how you succeed in those areas. So, yeah, for those of you who are like, Hayes, why don't you just get back to talking about, you know, the stuff that I always used to enjoy you talking about, Social Security, Medicare, estate planning, investments, and all that good stuff. Well, don't worry. There's plenty of that to come. I've got some great guests lined up. Ed Slot's teed up. He's going to be recording early for a Thursday uh, uh, airing in a couple weeks. Mary Beth Franklin, she's all settled in, contributing editor of Investment News. She's ready to rock and roll. Just emailed with um, Tom Hegna's staff, the author of Paychecks and Playchecks. Great economist, funny guy. He's going to be on as well and a plethora of other people in the bullpen ready to rock and roll throughout 2023. So as long as you have me, I'll continue to be here. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye. The preceding program was brought to you by Comprehensive Financial Consultants and CFCI, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities are offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through CFCI and J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial, J.W. Cole Advisors, and CFCI are unaffiliated entities.